The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. October 29th, 2023, Anger Hidden in the Heart, Part 2. encouraged by it because it was just a great reminder that we're not stuck in our sin. Like, we are not defeated by sin. Are we still going to sin? Yes, Paul talks about that. Paul talks about how he does what he doesn't want to do, but the things he wants to do, he doesn't do. And so there's this battle here, and someday we won't have to be in that battle. And that's encouraging. But as long as we are here now, it is encouraging to us that we don't have to live as we are. And that really encouraged me in my struggle with anger because I literally remember thinking about that as I was continuing to be frustrated with whatever circumstances, whether it be with my kids or just, you know, we talked about that James 4, I think it is, talks about how we don't get what we want and that's why we quarrel with one another. And so... Um, for, for whatever reasons why you quarrel, you have your own reasons why you quarrel. Um, that so encouraged my heart that God didn't want to leave me there. He didn't want to leave me as the mom that was constantly frustrated because my kids weren't doing what I wanted them to do. And and I wanted to encourage you last week, too, to think about it that, you know, I know I said you may think that I'm sweet and calm and those things. I am those things. It's not like I'm two different people. I really desire to be... Um, sweet in my home, calm, I am I am those things. But my point in saying that was just that everyone deals with this, and everyone deals with that at different levels, and everyone starts off as a Christian in a completely different journey, and and you know some are become Christians as they're raised in a Christian home, and they don't have they oftentimes don't deal with what we would call heavy-handed sins. Um, or there's people that their lives are radically different because of the gospel. But either way, like, big sins, little sins are all sins. And that was my point, was that, yes, I am calm, yes, I am sweet, and I'm kind, and I'm those things to my children and to my husband. But I wanted you to recognize that it happens in all of us, and that we all struggle with it. Because I wanted to encourage you to think that even if you're like me, that you too might struggle with this. Because probably... A lot of you are like me. A lot of you are very kind. A lot of you are very sweet. A lot of you probably aren't yelling at the person next to you in traffic. You know, maybe you are. And that's okay. If that's where you are, that's where you are. But we start where we are, and we go towards Christ. And that was really encouraging encouraging to me last year, or in April at the CARE conference, when he reminded us in Romans that we do not stay where we are, but that, and we are not defeated by sin, but yet we are dead to sin. And we can become more like Christ. And so as I was dealing with this anger struggle in my home primarily and not getting what I wanted because I wanted to control the behavior of my children, even though I wouldn't have thought of it that way, that's really what it was, the Lord reminded me that he doesn't want to leave me there. And so I just wanted to remind you guys that of that this morning, that he does not want to leave you wherever you are in your journey. And um, so right now we're actually going to talk about anger like I said, we talked a lot about the heart last week and spent a lot of time there, and that sin, or good fruit and bad fruit, come from the heart. So we have these roots, right? And so my hope is that you will identify and think about whatever it is in your life that you're struggling with, that you're frustrated with, or whatever it might be. They're, they're all words for anger. Let's just call it what it is, right? 
whatever is driving you nuts, whatever is disturbing you, whatever is keeping you up at night, that you would identify those things and that the Lord would help you to see what the root cause of those things are so that you can root them out and put them away as Ephesians 4, 31, I think, through 32 tells us to do. Okay? Um, That is my prayer for me and that is my prayer for you. So, and then where did we go next? We talked about the heart and then we talked about, um, we started to talk about whether anger was always right, so obviously it's not always right, but is it sometimes right? Yeah, we talked about sometimes it is right. And God actually has given us our emotions, but we are not to be ruled by our emotions. And our emotions can actually sometimes be really good indicators that there's something wrong. And as mothers, we, or wives, or um, just people living on this planet, we need to be able to respond to those things and we talked about how Paul in his anger towards the situation when he saw sin in the church he actually used that anger for good and appropriately responded and rebuked now does that mean that his that he was um exhibiting um not fruit of the spirit no he was probably using the fruit of the spirit and and using love to display his anger so it wasn't a it was a controlled anger and so we talked about how much of when we are angry, we can actually be angry and not sin because we're, we are in control and using, the Holy Spirit is helping us to um, control our spirit and kind of thinking of a horse, like you're, you have a wild horse and you're breaking them in and you're reining those horses in. Sometimes I tell my kids, like, rein your horses in because you need to control that horse, that, you know, that wild spirit that is just wanting to, um, to take over. So we're going to, so that was kind of last week. And so now we're going to talk about um, so, we, so we gave examples of when anger is right, and we talked about how Jesus was angry, right? We, what were some of the examples that we gave? There's the, the famous one where he did what? He cleared the temple. Cleared the temple, right? Because he was furious at how they were using their the father's house, his father's house. Um, and then I just talked about how Paul um, rebuked people in the church, you know, and um, sometimes we need to do that, and we're doing it because we love them, because, and also because, like, Jesus, this this cannot take place in in the church either. Those things need to be rooted out, because they can spread. Um, So those were some examples. Classified as anger when Jesus would be calling the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you hypocrites. I mean, he didn't describe it as anger, but... Well, he did say you brood of vipers. And yeah. That's probably <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was the other thing I was thinking about was just his interactions with yeah. the Yeah, yeah. And he was dealing with the heart, right? And oftentimes, I mean, that's what he sees. And when oftentimes, that's a good point, because oftentimes when we're angry, remember, anger is a perceived judgment. Perceived meaning it could be a right judgment or a wrong judgment. So we know that Jesus' judgments were always right. Are our judgments always right? No. Oftentimes, oftentimes, we are angry because we are, our rights, our so-called rights are denied, um, or, or we perceive things wrongly. Oftentimes, we perceive things wrongly. And so, we'll talk about some of that today. All right. So, some biblical examples. So, now we're going to talk about when is our anger sinful. Um, so, some biblical examples of people wrongly angry in the Bible. Um, you know, you think of Cain and Abel. What was going on there? Jealousy, it seems like. 
Yeah, he was jealous because he his sacrifice wasn't accepted and Abel's was to the point where Cain did what? Mm-hmm. He murdered his brother. Um, and First Kings 21, the story of Ahab. What did Ahab want? Anyone know that story? The vineyard, is that the story? Mm-hmm. Of the, one in, uh, the vineyard of... Nabal. Nabal, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he, so he wanted that vineyard so much. And what did he want to do? It wasn't even, a, I think he was going to kill the man because of it. And his wife calmed him down and said, hey, like, this is, this is not okay. And thankfully she intervened and helped him see that it was wrong. And I don't, um, and so Ahab, Ahab was angry because he was denied the vineyard that his heart coveted and which he thought he had the right to. So how often do we become angry because we think that we deserve something, right? But didn't Jezebel kill him on, on his behalf? Ahab? Let me look, let's look at it again. Yeah. I thought she stepped in. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Sorry. Yeah, I think Jezebel stepped in and then God cursed her. If memory serves. I might be crossing two stories. I apologize. That's what happens when I don't write so things fully down. She came up with the schemes. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's go to First Kings 21. Thank you. I think I'm thinking of David and his. Yes, thank you for correcting me because I. Okay, so 21. Yes, I was thinking of David and Abigail. Okay. Um, so is it Naboth or Naboth? Um, the Jezreelites had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near my house, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my father's. And Ahab went into his house, vexed and sullen, because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face. It would not eat food. So he was a sullen little puppy dog. Yeah. (laughs) So he was pouting. And, you know, we all do that. Um, But Jezebel's wife came to him and said, why is your spirit so vexed that you eat no food? And he said to her, you can kind of see this like as a play. Like I can just imagine this would be a fun play to watch. And he said to her, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, give me your vineyard for money, or else if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel's wife, his wife, said to him, do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth and Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent, and she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in a city. And she wrote in letters, proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him saying, you have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So, okay, yeah, that is a very different story. But she did not help in a good way, right? So... Um, and we can kind of do that too, right? We can get our feathers ruffled for our husbands or for our kids or, um, we definitely can become mama bears in not a good way. And, um, yeah, he had a pout pout party because his, he was the king and he saw that his rights were denied. So how often are we upset because our rights are denied? 
Um, does anyone know the story of Herodias and how she was angry towards John the Baptist? Do you know why she was angry towards him? Wasn't it having to do with he didn't sanction, she divorced and remarried? Yeah. He, she was living in an inappropriate way. He called her out, and, um, and so she beheaded him. So don't make her mad. These women, my goodness. All right, what about the prodigal son's brother? What did he do? He too was jealous. Mm-hmm. He thought his rights were denied, and he was upset because his brother. He was get. He came home and was getting feasted, and and yeah. the brother went to the dad and said, "This is not right." Yeah, because you know, he had done everything right. Yeah, everything right. And so he was. He was very upset. I think he had a pity party too, right? And um, I was reading that Pharisees, scribes, priests of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, right? Because they wanted to murder him because of their position, and they didn't think that he was the Messiah. Um, And... And, and even people who were mad at Jesus because, like, think of um, people that lost money. Or, like, for Paul, people get angry at Paul because they lost money because people were turning away from their idols that they were making. Um, so this was super convicting for me. On page 15, um, when is our anger sinful? Um, our anger is sinful when... Am I getting... Okay, hang on one second. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, that's next... Okay, our anger is sinful when we become angry for the wrong reasons. Obviously, those are not good reasons to become angry, right? So when, ch- so when children fail to do something exactly as their parents want them to, even if their actions are not definitely sinful, parents sometimes become angry. After all, they think children are supposed to obey and show respect to their parents. And the fact that they didn't do something exactly as they wanted them to shows disrespect. Never mind that the Bible says love suffers long and is kind, Love is not provoked, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5, New King James. Their children don't treat them the way they want to be treated, so they become peeved and upset and openly express their annoyance to their children. When that happens, the parent's anger has nothing to do with what is best for the children. It's simply due to the fact that the children are not doing what they want them to do. They become upset because their rights, quote, they have... As the boss of their home are being denied, that kind of anger is sinful and selfish. So those examples that we just saw were sinful and selfish anger. Um, Mac also talks about, he says, whether we have had our feelings hurt or we are jealous or we are not getting recognition or we believe that our rights are being denied, all of these things lead to sinful, selfish anger. So those are some examples in the Bible of what anger has, looks like in the Bible and looks like in us as well, right? Because we have experienced each of those things, whether we be jealous or we think that our rights are denied or what else did he say? We're not receiving recognition. Maybe we didn't get the job that we wanted and so we're upset or, or probably for a lot of us, maybe our husbands didn't recognize us or maybe our kids don't say thank you enough or whatever it might be, right? Those things are probably all true, but now we're going to um, talk a little bit more about that. So anger is sinful, we just talked about how um, um, anger is sinful when we become angry for the wrong reasons. So 
Those were the reasons, some of the reasons why we become angry. So anger is sinful when we allow it to control us. Let's look at Proverbs 16.32. Can someone read that for us? Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. Awesome. And then can someone else look up Proverbs twenty five twenty eight? You said twenty five twenty eight? Yes. A man without self control, but his city broken into and left without walls. Is there a little bit more of that verse or that's twenty eight. Twenty eight? Okay. Oh, like Snow in summer or rain in harvest. So honor is not fitting for a fool. Okay. Um, so, we see here that, so what do these verses tell us about anger that is out of control, that controls us? The first one talks about, and says, he who is slow to anger is better than what? The mighty. The mighty. So he's talking about like a general here. So, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. So th- you have more power um, and it is better for you to be controlled than he who um, captures a city, right? It has great power who captures a city. And then like a city that is broken into without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. And so when we have a lack of control over our spirit, um, it's like a city that can easily be broken into and can be ruined. And I just think of the verse that talks about, you know, we're giving the devil a foothold when we allow these sins to continue to not be rooted out of our lives. Um, so like someone who is ruled by their emotions and feelings, they don't, they don't hold back. Um, are we this way? Are, do we stop when we're in the middle of that and think, Lord, this is not what you've called me to and ask him to help, or do we just unleash? Um, and maybe the unleashing isn't explosive, because, and we can, we're going to talk a little bit about how sometimes it can be internal and sometimes it can be external. So it doesn't have to be like this unleashing outwardly, but it can also be an unleashing inwardly where we grow in bitterness, which is not good either. All right, anger is sinful when it becomes the dominant feature in our lives. Mac says, so Wayne Mac, which is, um, he's the author of, this is probably the main source that I used for, so Wayne Mac is a biblical counselor, anger and stress management, God's way is where I used a lot of this material. Anger is sinful when it becomes the dominant feature in our lives. So Wayne Mac says, if other people's first impressions of us are that we are touchy, irritable, easily annoyed, then we may have a problem with sinful anger. If we find that people seem to be constantly tiptoeing around us, it could be an indication that we have a chronic problem with sinful anger. And again, this doesn't have to be explosive. I'm generally not explosive in my home. But I'll give you an example. We were at a gas station. I had all my kids in the car. Nate was in the car with me. He got out to pump gas for us. And he left the car running. And it was really hot outside. And he got inside the car. And I said, oh, why did you leave the car running? And he said, well, I thought you would be mad at me if I, let, if I turned it off because it's so hot. And I, my heart was broken because I thought, 
wow, like my husband's actions are dictated by the thoughts that he thinks he has. Now, now maybe he's, maybe, you know, he can deal with his own sin in the sense of like not people pleasing or whatever it might be. But I sure need to make it easy for him, right? Not to feel like he needs to walk on tiptoes. And again, it's not like I'm like attacking him or like exploding at him or yelling at him. We're actually extremely calm. I remember a conversation that we had to have with one of my kids because I got really excited about something, like happy excited. And Ben said, Mommy, why are you yelling at Daddy? I was like, I'm not yelling at Daddy. Like, I'm just, I'm excited about this. And so sometimes we have to have those conversations because they they need to be introduced to the world in some ways. So we are calm in our home. Nate and I, in, in another short story, when we were dating, he was teaching me how to play tennis. It was his way of, like, reeling me in. And, um, yeah, it worked. And so he, I told him, I said, you know, I am, I'm quite athletic. I'm very teachable. But if you yell at me, it's done. Because I, because of my past, like I just couldn't deal with someone yelling at me. And God knew that. And I I know that that's why he chose my husband for me. Because he's, he's the most gentle man you'll ever meet. I mean, it's such an example to my family. But he does not deserve my wrath, whether it is mute or whether it is loud. And so I needed to learn how to control this. I'm thankful that I have a God that loves me, that revealed that to me. I just apologized. I said, I'm sorry. That my actions have been such to you that you feel like you have to monitor your behavior towards me so that I don't, that I'm not upset towards you. And it's, again, it's not that it was, like, explosive, but what husband wants to feel like their wife is mad at them, whether they're explosive or not? They don't, they, you know, most of the time, husbands, they just want to please us, just like our kids, you know? And, um, yeah, so... That is an example of, just a small example of tiptoeing. doesn't have to be big, but God wants to meet us where we're at and help us to put it all away. Proverbs 19, 19, let's look at that real quick. He never yelled at me, by the way. <laughs> A hot-tempered man will pay the penalty. If you rescue him, you will have to do it again. So a man of great anger will bear the penalty. So this is, we're talking about anger being a dominant feature in our life. Right? We don't want to be around these people. A man of great anger will bear the penalty. For if you rescue him, he will only have to do it again. So they're caught in this. They're ensnared in this. They don't want to, um, they're not, you know, have you ever, I, I just think of trying to correct someone that is angry. Do they listen well? No, right? Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four. Can someone read that, please? Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Yeah. 
right? So we're not to be around these people. Um, the only thing is, is that our spouses and our kids live with us. They can't leave, right? So. And neither can we. Yeah, right? We can't leave those situations. We model this for our kids and for our spouses and the people that are around us. Whether we work with them, whether we live with them. It's so incredibly important. I mentioned this last week that a lot of times if I catch my kids in a a bad pattern towards one another, and if I actually think about it, I said that last week to them, you know, or um, if we really set the tone in our homes as women, regardless of who is in our home um, or at work or, you know, we can really, I think of a kind word, turns away wrath, Um, we, again, set the tone when there's a conversation at work that needs to take place, and and we can set the tone for that conversation. And we can't change someone's heart, but we can model having control over our spirit because of the Holy Spirit. Um, so do our spouses, kids, family, and or friends alter their behaviors so they do not encounter our wrath? If so, that is wrong. Is your anger immediate? Is it a natural response when the pressure is on, when you don't get what you want? We all can think of moments where we've been under pressure. And God is using those moments to refine us, to make us more like him. Are we using those moments to meet our agenda? And do we become angry when our agenda is not met? I know I often have. Annie, I have a good example where I kind of fell this week. It was one of those subtle ones. My husband had let me know that he was going to need my help in the morning on something. I thought, okay, I've got time. So I started doing my Bible study. And he dared to come interrupt me in the middle of my Bible study. Uh Uh-oh. He was ready. So my brain was like, no, I don't want my time interrupted. And it didn't, you know, I didn't interrupt in anger. I just said, can I wait a bit, you know, whatever. Yeah. I figured out later what I could have done differently, but... But I did. I was I was angry. I, I think of anger as the outbursts, but it isn't. Yeah, so that's I not a hard thing. That I was angry because I did not want my Bible study interrupted. Yeah, and you should never interrupt my yeah. Bible study, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. They could be good things, but Luther said that if it's what? How did he say? He said, even the good things, if they become ultimate, they can become wicked. Not that it doesn't mean throw out your Bible and stop reading it, but it means that you need to deal with your heart, right, and help it not become the idol. I have a cute little story this weekend. So anybody that's been down my road knows that it's not an easy road to navigate. Um, and because of the last winter, uh, it's, it's developed some pretty good trenches in parts of it. And um, we, a couple neighbors have been trying to work with a neighbor to – so the way that the road works, it's all private all the way down. And so that means that whoever's house is in, in front of it, they own that part of the road. And so you have to get permission to work on the road or to ask them to do it or what have. And we kept hearing a couple people ask these neighbors if they would fix the road or do something or, or let them fix it. And the guy was just adamant that this would not happen. Because he was just mad that people drive down this road so fast, which I totally understand. We don't want people driving quickly down our road. So if you drive down our road, go slowly so we don't irritate this gentleman. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I know. It's just, yeah, it's kind of slippery. But anyways, so um, my husband 
um, said, I'm, I'm going to go fix that road. And I was like, you can't just go fix that road. That, that would not be being a good neighbor. Please pray about it. I didn't tell him what to do, but I just said, I don't think that's wise. Please pray about it. So he did. And I'm so glad that he did. And so then the next day, he goes, he tells me, well, I'm going to go talk to him. And I said, okay, that sounds great. Send Hudson with you. He doesn't love a cute little boy. <laughs> so I really think Hudson <laughs> sealed the deal. So, because he was sending pictures of him playing with his cat. I was like, there you go. He warmed him up. So, but it took a little while. And my husband was very gentle and just kept talking with him and talking with him. And this, again, he started off when my husband was talking with him, like very adamant, like this is not going to happen. But Nate chose to stay calm and work through the situation with him. And at the end, we were able to resolve the problem and fix the road. And he even gave us a tip on how to fix the road. And he said, will you please just tell your friends to drive slowly when they go down the road? We said, we can do that. So, which, again, we totally understood his situation. So that's an example of how we can, be, we can hold back, right? And my husband was not happy. that I mean, he's picturing his wife and his children driving down this dangerous road during the winter. You know, he was not happy that this man, it was, it was not right of him. But we also understood and so my husband was able to hold, control his spirit and pray and ask God to help him have favor over this situation. And he did. God granted him that. And not that that's always going to happen, but in this situation it did. Next time, send an ambassador that's five years old and really cute. And that might help too. So um, let's see. Where are we? So we just talked about how. I think I turned my page. Okay. Now we're going to talk about our anger is sinful when it involves brooding or fretting. So what is fretting? Does anyone know what fretting is? You can kind of picture it. Can you describe it? Yeah. You're fretting and it can be verbal or nonverbal. Yeah. Um, Mac describes it as a means in which you're constantly thinking through distressing events in one's mind while giving those events a negative slant. So you're thinking about something and then... It's kind of like, um, it's just turning over and over, and he describes it here on page 26. I'll go ahead and read that first. And so when we constantly turn these things over in our mind, is that going to help? No. What does scripture tell us to do with our thoughts? Think on things that are true and noble and pure, anything that's excellent, worthy of praise. Can't you just picture, like, it just feeding and fueling? I just think of a fire. It is, you know, if you continue to add kindling to it, it's not going to help. So, he says, in other words, this is talking about fretting. Um, in other words, if we think, if we were to think of our minds as a stereo, churning our anger means that, in our minds, we are playing the recording of an offense, what someone did or said to us that angered us over and over and over again and every time we play it over in our minds the recording gets a little louder and a little stronger eventually that one recording is ingrained in our minds to the point that it plays by itself without deliberate thought at the end of proverbs 30 33 god says so the churning of anger produces strife he is warning us that the churning of our anger or fretting only leads to sin and more conflict so the teaching of these verses in the Psalms and Proverbs parallels the teaching of Ephesians 4:26 or 27. Don't, do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. In other words, we are commanded to not carry our troubles from one day to the next. So Satan loves to see us stew over the wrongs that have been done to us. But God wants us to put them behind us so we are not tempted to sin. So we need to deal with that. 
Um, so we can I just read? Yes. You said Proverbs thirty thirty three. Yeah. Which is great, but can I just read thirty two really quick? Yeah. So, well, convicting to me anyways. It says, if you have been foolish, angry, right, is a form of foolishness. If you've been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. <laughs> there you go. Practical solution. Sometimes we just need to, right? Yeah, Yeah, I just close my eyes sometimes and just breathe. Um, And it allows you to stop and take a moment to think about the right thing, right? To think about things that are true and noble and pure rather than fretting. Psalm 37 tells us what we are prone to fret over. When evil men do evil things, we are in a time that I, I mean, I was talking to my husband this morning. In 200 years, we have lived in a country that has loved the principles, whether they believed in Jesus or not. They loved the principle, you know, they appreciated and respected the, the principles of what this country was founded on, and which a lot of them were founded on biblical principles. And we live in a time where there's lots of evil men doing evil things. And we have to not play that record over in our heads because we will become fearful and angry. And that is not, even in this time, that's not how we're called to live. That doesn't mean that we don't get angry over wrongdoing. There is obviously some incredibly wrong things doing, but we have to be very careful in how we respond to that. Our anger is sinful when we keep a running record of how we have been mistreated. So 1 Corinthians 13.5 tells us what? That love does not... Yeah, so we don't keep those those records of what people have done to us. Um, Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So again, we're letting that go. Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Just think of the story of Joseph, because he had to let um, he chose to not hold it against his brothers even though they meant harm to him great harm to him God he could see that God meant it for his good and also the good of many and so we can again think on those things that are good and true so our anger is sinful when we deny or pretend that we are not angry I think we do this a lot I think we deny that we're angry a lot because we know that it's wrong um, and I think that's why we use words like, oh, I'm just frustrated. No, you're angry. No, I'm, I'm frustrated. No, you're angry. Um, and so really consider and think about those things. All right, so I'm just going to read from page 33 real quick. Again, this is, a, I think, a book that everybody should have. It's just such an excellent resource. Um, all right. We are handling our anger sinfully when we justify our bitterness and resentment or when we pretend that we are not angry. In my life, when I find myself getting angry, I have found it very helpful to say, Wayne, you're getting angry, and your anger is your responsibility, not someone else's. No one can crawl inside you and make you angry. All they can do is provide the context in which you become angry. Wayne, if you become angry, you get all the credit for that anger. Your anger is coming from inside you, not from outside. I just thought that was really good. To control my anger, I must recognize and acknowledge its presence and not play justification or denial games. I must put away lying and speak truth to myself, refusing to use euphemisms that tend to lessen the seriousness of my anger, like frustration, upset, disturbed, provoked, whatever. I must 
recognize that though there are degrees of anger, every instance of anger that is connected to the things we have mentioned in this chapter is a vari- variation of the same emotion and that every instance stems from the same root. So I think of my, I remember one time, my probably multiple times I've said this, um, they'll say to me, Mommy, I'm sorry for making you angry. And I get it, they should apologize for the wrongs that they've done. But they did not make me angry. I chose to be angry in that situation. Um, they might have triggered it, but I allowed it to control me rather than holding back. And so then I have to ask for forgiveness and say sorry and apologize. Um, and that is a really common thing to hear people say, they made me angry. It is. We blame, right, in the garden. It's a blaming of saying that it's their fault. Mm-hmm. And so you said it very rightly. We, we choose mm-hmm. how we respond. We choose how we respond. Right. Their behavior may be a trigger, but they didn't do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it just goes back to the garden, right, where they were blaming one another and even to the point where they were blaming God, and we can do that as well when we're angry and try and cover it up and deny it. And... I think that we play those stories in our head a lot, that really we blame other people, because I can see that in my own thinking, where I think, oh, you know, so-and-so did, and no, I just have to stop my thinking and go, nope. Regardless of whether they, they did something wrong or right, I am responsible for my actions. Man, what a different world we would live in if that was, if that changed us. Thank you. Well, in our homes, too, like I kind of thought about this when you were talking about the right response would have been a, a gentle rebuke. Mm-hmm. You know his pouting, right? right? And you know, but we have to make sure if we're responding in any anger at all that we get that log out of our eye first. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. especially important with our husbands and our kids yeah. in our homes. Yeah. Um, I think for some reason we're a little more careful how we approach others if we approach them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our homes, you know, like we're talking about, you know, the blow up anger, but there's also the clam up anger yep. that like we just give the cold shoulder or, you know, we kind of walk away or whatever it is, it's an angry response. Right. You know. Um but we do have to be careful to rebuke when necessary but do it rightly. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things that came up at the conference was that, you know, when we're when we are angry, are we we should still be exhibiting the fruit of the spirit? And so and I, I was trying to imagine that because I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to be joyful when I am rebuking someone, but but we can still do it in love, right? And we can, and Tara mentioned like being faithful, right? You want to be a faithful friend um, that is helping another friend along. And so there's definitely a way to do it in a way that's not um, out of control. Well, but the results. If we're rebuking properly and someone accepts the review, the result is a restored cause to yeah. joy, right? So totally. There is joy. Yeah. It's hard. Right. If, you know, Lord willing, there is joy at the end of it because that right other relationship turn. with the Lord, first and foremost, has been restored. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you. Anger is sinful when we return evil for evil or attack the person with whom we are angry. So Proverbs 29, 11, and 22. I have to speed it up a little bit. So, all right. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. And then 22 says, a man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Can you give the verse again for that? Sorry. Proverbs 29, 11, and 22. And then the next one is, Proverbs 12:16. I think I just read that one. 
Um, when the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. So whether you clam up, Tara just mentioned that, I mentioned it earlier, whether you clam up or blow up, blow up, they are both expressions of anger. Um, our anger is sinful when we attack or hurt a substitute. So Numbers 20, when Moses hit the rock. Um, Matt talks about this as an example of, you know, he was upset with the people and he just started beating this rock, right? There was an example of, um, and one of the things I was reading of, or maybe it was something I was listening to, um, you know, like someone gets upset and they (coughs) kick the cat or, you know, we might not do those things, but what are things that we are, are, um, when we are upset or maybe we might just go and like internalize things. And a lot of, um, this is popular in psychology to do this, to go and just vent more, to go and just scream into a pillow or, yeah, punch the pillow, just get it all out, okay? It is incredibly important for us to recognize that these things do creep into our thinking. You know, people will tell you, oh, just go vent, you just need to vent, you just need to let off some steam. No. You need to deal with your heart. Mm-hmm. But sometimes going for a run, if there's so much in yeah. like I'm not saying a pillow, but like right. go for a run or get the energy yeah. out before part of that might Especially be getting with a lot out of boys. Yeah. If you have boys too, that's really helpful. So I'm not saying don't like go have some time. You need to go have some time. But I'm but when you're running or thinking you're you're thinking and hopefully yeah. you're praying and you're thinking about the situation, rather than when you're punching a pillow, you're just trying to you're just trying to make that a substitute. You're practicing anger, right? And your heart isn't really changed. The only difference is, is the substitute has changed, right? It's the pillow rather than whatever else you want to take your anger out on. Exodus 32, when Moses smashed the tablets, he came down and he saw what the people had been dealing with, or what they had been doing with the golden calf, and he became angry. Which again, is right anger, but um, how are we expressing? Like it was right for him to be angry that he came down the mountain and saw them worshiping uh, a golden calf instead of the Lord. And but how he responded was he was not controlling his spirit. So anger is wrong when it causes you to speak rashly. I think this is probably probably more where we lie. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine says. Let's see. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Um, Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That and the scripture um, that our anger does not produce righteousness was very helpful for me with my children. Um, And this is really any situation to know that our anger is not going to produce anything good. Um, you know, us instilling wrong fear into our children is not going to produce children that um, you don't want your children afraid of you. Um, you, yeah, it's not going to produce anything good. Um, and there, again, there's so many situations that we can turn the tables on when we just choose to rein in and be people um, that are controlled by the Holy Spirit rather than our own emotions. Um, 
this was another good resource. It's funny. They're all the little counselors, and so they share each other's stories in their books. There's a lot of interweaving, but it's still all really good information. So this is um, Jay Adams. He says, what do you do when anger gets the upper hand? All right, so now we're going to move on to um, how to deal with our anger. Um, it says, no, I can't control my temper, but you can. I can't. Can. He's talking to a counselee. Can't. Can. Then tell me how. Certainly, that's what I wanted you to ask in the first place. Like many others, you have bought the false line that under certain circumstances, you are totally unable to control your temper. That is false. I say because the Bible assures us that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can. God calls upon you to do just that. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but the wise man holding it back quiets it. Proverbs 29:11. But that's just my problem. I can't hold it back and quiet it. When you say can't, what you really mean is you don't or you won't. You may have convinced yourself that you can't, but that doesn't change the facts. You can. God says so. Um, I think that we play that in our heads a lot. And the fact is, because of God's grace, we can. We can be changed. Um, so I'm just going to start to get into this. I'll end with the gospel, and then next week we'll talk about more things that enable us to have um, transformation through God's word about anger, and I'll also talk a little bit about stress, and really all of it comes down to the sovereignty of God and trusting him. Um, so, uh, Max says that the many ways for us to express anger is as we just went over is natural for us as sinners. What does not come naturally is dealing with our anger in a God-honoring way. This is something that we need to learn and to train our hearts to do. So the exciting part is, is through God's Holy Spirit, we can actually train our hearts to not respond in a natural way, but in a God-honoring way. Um, I always think it's important to start off with a heart set. So as we're talking about that, just fixing our eyes on the gospel, because the gospel changes everything. And if you actually look at Ephesians 4, which is where our primary text comes from, to the all bit, put away, let all bitterness, anger, wrath, slander, malice, um, put away all such things. That's in Ephesians 4 at the bottom. But if you look towards the top, and I'll end with this today, if you look towards the top of Ephesians 4, um, yeah, I think it's 20 through 29, we were once these things. So Ephesians 4, 20 through 29, says, but that is not the way with you. Sorry, but that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to do to share with another anyone in need 
Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So he reminds them, this is who you once were. This is who you are now. So he also talks about in Corinthians that you are a new creation. We don't have to live here. So um, because of the gospel, because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, we now have a new life hidden in Christ, and we have everything that we need to become more like him and to put away all bitterness, all anger, and all wrath and malice and slander, and to put on compassionate hearts, being um, becoming more like Christ. So that is my prayer. I'll end there, and then, like I said, next week I'll go over more of how to deal with um, anger. The handout that I gave you is... Um, from Jim Neuheiser. I don't have it in front of me. But he gives you some practical, yeah, practical examples of when you are angry. Um, it's kind of, a, there's just some projects on there that you can do. Like you can list, sure, that would be helpful. You can list, um, so just great questions to ask yourself. So what must, what is it that you're wanting? So the roots, right? What are the desires? What are the wrong desires that we're wanting? that you're not getting, or like we talked about too, what do you have that you don't want that you're angry? He lists some examples too. Um, it says memorize Ephesians 4, 21 to 32, which is our verse that we're talking about, about letting all bitterness and all those things be put away. Um, and then three, make a list of five ways you can show love in your words and actions to those you have hurt and disappointed. We're going to talk more about this next week. Because a lot of this is going to be in, you know, putting off those things. And then four, create a note card with five important truths. We're going to talk about this truth next week. Um, and it's just kind of that heart set mindset that really helps us. If we have scripture in our minds, is, is to, um, you know, that God is in control. We're not in control. That, um, what, you know, remembering Romans 8:28, what man, that's Genesis 50. But that all things work together for the good of those who love him. If we remember those things and we hold them true to our heart, it's going to be a lot easier for us to combat um, sin. And then five, keep an anger journal for each time your anger gets out of control. And there's questions there. This was way more simplified than another one that I had. Um, and so if it's hard, we're probably not going to do it. So hopefully this is simple enough that... Um, that that can be a great help to you to really think through and get to the bottom so we can put off and put on and renew. So let me pray and then we'll be done. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time here. Just pray that you would just really penetrate our hearts with your word and help us to think about where jealousy or denied rights or um, recognition, whatever it is that is just wrong desires in our heart, control, fear, whatever it might be that's causing us to... um, to be angry. Help us, Lord, to identify those things so that we can renew our minds and put on um, put on your righteousness, Lord. Put on compassionate hearts and love and right thinking, Lord. We thank you. We love you. Prepare our hearts as we go upstairs. Help us to fix our eyes on you and to be a blessing to one another. In your sin's name, amen.